We're going to start in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. If you want to go ahead and turn there. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28. And uh, the title of the sermon this morning is Made Righteous. Um, Children of God Cannot Keep on Sinning. And the reason I worded it like that is you'll see when we get into this, to the passage. It's worded like that in this passage. But the children of God cannot keep on sinning. And uh, before we get to the sermon, as you're turning to 1 John chapter 2, we have um, some very, very special guests with us in here this morning. First, there is Rose Slaughter. Rose. She's been keeping the nursery for the past five Sundays. And so, it's so good to see you. I, 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 hey. And any chance that I can get to um, announce Rose's name from the pulpit, because she loves that. It's, she asks me every week, will you work my name into your sermon? And, and she's just turning redder and redder right now. But, but seriously, my mother and my grandmother and my niece are all here. And I'm excited that they, get, they were here this weekend and that they're here this morning. And so uh, if you get a chance to say hi after the service, then I would love that. Um, so the thing is, is that there, as you get to know my mom and my grandma, you'll realize that I got some specific traits from them. My intelligence <laughs> and good looks. Well, I don't know about that one. I don't know if I look as good as them. But uh, my stubbornness, that's right. Yeah, y'all probably won't get to know that about them just by shaking their hand. But I got specific traits from them. We're going to be talking about this morning in the sermon, inheriting things. And there are some things that I didn't get from my mom. For example, she was just making fun of me yesterday because she said that I have corny jokes. She called me a nerd. I know. And I don't understand why she would say something like that. And what makes it worse is is that um, John then told a joke that was just as funny, not corny, funny as mine. And she says, oh, no, him too, or something to that effect. And so, anyway, uh, the... I mention this because specifically this morning we're going to be talking about what do we inherit? Well, as human beings, we inherit a certain nature according to Scripture, a sin nature. And as followers of Jesus, if we have been born again, if we're born into Him, we inherit specific things. And so, uh, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 28, and now little children, we see this phrase again, one of His favorite terms of endearment. Abide in Him. And for those of you who have been here, who have heard these sermons in First John, then you know that abide, remain. If you're already in Him, if, you're already, if you already have a relationship with Him, abide in Him, remain in Him. We're going to abide in Him. We're going to remain in Him. And then, for those who are in right fellowship with Him, abide in that right fellowship. Make sure that you're living your life for Him. Abide in Him. So that when he appears, this is talking about the second coming. For those of you who don't know, Jesus lived here on this earth. He he existed for eternity beforehand as God. In in the beginning, in the very first chapter of the Bible, God said, Let us make man in our image. And that us was the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we see in John, his gospel, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And Jesus being identified as the Word. So in the beginning, Jesus was there, and he was with God. He was God. And we see um, that 
he came a first time. Most of us know that. And most of us know that he will be coming a second time to, to bring all this sin and all this brokenness and bring it all to an end and to bring about restoration and redemption, to make things right, to make things new the way that he desires for them to be. And so when he appears, when he comes again, we may have confidence. So if we're abiding in him, then we can have confidence in him. We, we can have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. And so isn't that what we want? Um, how many of you have ever heard someone say, uh, is that where you want to be when Jesus comes back? Or something to that effect. And so we, we, we want to live our lives in a way that pleases him. We want to live our lives in a way where we're um, living in obedience, where we're living in, in love with him and living out that love with actions in a way that when he returns, he's going to be proud. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so we want, to, even though we're saved by grace, not by works, we want to live in good works after we are saved. And so we want to abide in him. Verse 29. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. Okay, let's look at this one more time. And we're going to see this, these words, righteous, righteousness, just, justice. We're, we're going to see these type of words over and over again today. And they all come from the same root word. And so presented in different ways to mean different things. But they're very connected, and John is doing this on purpose. But last night, uh, we were out with our family, and we got home, and it was pretty late, like around 10 p.m., and um, usually we'll read books and have our family time and our prayer time, but last night we were like, let's have, let's, let's uh, pray and put the kids in the bed. It's really late, and we put, Rose was putting Emma down and getting her settled, and I had John and John was like, what are we reading in the Bible tonight? And I said, well, you get to hear what I'm preaching on tomorrow <laughs> because I have to start getting ready for my sermon uh, to finalize it. And so I start reading this passage to John Michael. And John Michael said, Dad, what is, righteous? what is righteousness? And so I, I tell him, well, it's in God's way. It's he is perfect. He always does right. He is righteous. And he said, oh, okay. And then he said, but... But that verse says that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. But nobody can can do right all the time. And I was like, thank you, John. I know where I'm going with my sermon for sure now. And so um, we, when we practice those, everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. What does that mean? There's a question here on the next slide. And it says, how do we practice righteousness? If everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him, then how do we practice righteousness? Because we can't be right all the time. We can't do right all the time. We're going to sin. We've already seen this in First John. It's already said that if you say that you do not have sin, then you're a liar. We're told that we're even after our salvation, we're going to continue to sin. So what does it mean to practice righteousness? And that's what I want us to look at this morning. And in order to do that... We're going to come back to First John later on, but I want us to go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 3. And as you're turning to Romans chapter 3, let me give you a little background 
of where we're turning. This is Paul writing uh, this letter to the church at Rome. And in this specific part of Romans, he's addressing people who uh, were Jewish and who were basically saying, uh, well, I'm, I'm good with God because I was born Jewish. Or I was born as a descendant of Abraham. And there were also people who were saying, well, I'm good with God because I keep the law. And the law is the, the, basically the rules of living in the Old Testament. And the laws were broken into three different types of laws. There were civic laws, laws that dealt specifically with Israel as a nation um, and how they were to deal with other nations and how they were to deal with their own citizens. And now some civil laws will go over into another category that we will mention later. But there were also ceremonial laws. This is how you have sacrifices. This is how this religion is structured and and how you deal with God. Uh, But we're told in the New Testament that Jesus was the final, the ultimate sacrifice. And there's no need for that sacrificial system anymore. And so there's no need for ceremonial law anymore. But then there's a third type of law in the Old Testament that's called moral law. And this is, is it in the New Testament, are we still commanded to love God with all of our heart? Yeah, that's something from the Old Testament. That's a moral law. Are we told in the New Testament to have no other gods before him? Yes. Are we told in the New Testament to honor our father and mother? Yes. And so moral laws are the laws that deal with the way we relate to God, the way we relate to others that transcend the Testament, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, whether it was the old way of doing things before Jesus or the way of doing things after Jesus. <clears throat> Moral law is how we are to live our life each day. And so, um, who is righteous? Who is righteous because they were born into a certain family or a certain religion? Who is righteous because they try to do good things? Well, what does Romans chapter 3 verse 10 say? None is righteous. No, not one. No one is righteous by their own merit or by the family they were born into or whatever the case might be. And so, <clears throat> we want to make sure that we understand that. So he, he spends the next several verses telling us that none is righteous, no one understands, no one seeks for God. And, and let's skip down to verse 20. Romans chapter 3, verse 20. He says this, For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. He's saying that not only will the law not save us, because who can keep all the rules of the Old Testament? No, no one. But that's the point. The reason the law was given was to show us that we needed some something else to make us righteous. The law exists to show you that you can't keep it. That you're not righteous, right? It, it, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The, the law exists, all these rules in the Old Testament, of course they exist to give us this framework of how we should strive to live our life, but it also exists to show us that we cannot be perfect, and therefore we need someone to make us righteous with God since no one is righteous, since we're all sinners. So, verse 21. But now, the righteousness, and you see how, how often just justified, um, right, righteous, righteousness, these words keep coming up in here. But now the righteousness of God 
has been manifested apart from the law. So we have seen righteousness brought to life through Jesus. It's been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So the law and the prophets tell us, they, they the Old Testament, they look forward to the coming of this righteous person. And they look forward to the coming of a way that we can be made righteous. Okay? Abraham, for example, was he uh, made righteous by his works? No. It was by his faith. He was made righteous. It, that he was justified. By his faith that God was going to... He had, God had promised that a way of salvation was coming. And Abraham put his faith in the coming promise. In the coming fulfillment of that promise. In Jesus. Even though Abraham didn't know his name was going to be Jesus. Even though Abraham didn't know exactly how God was going to save him. Abraham believed that God would save him through this Messiah. This somehow. That's how the, the people of the Old Testament. Just as we put our faith by looking back on what Jesus did. They put their faith in the fulfillment of a promise that God had made to them. That, that God would fulfill his promise and that he would save them. So... We are saved by faith. They were saved by faith. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested, manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. So that is Jesus has come. He has lived. He has manifested. And the Old Testament pointed to the fact that this was going to happen. And not only did Jesus come, but he made a way. Look at verse 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So, We are made righteous through whom? Jesus. And who can be made righteous? All who believe. Okay? So anyone who believes in Jesus. And we've talked about this belief not just being a head knowledge of, yeah, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, even the demons believe that. It's a belief where we put our faith in him. It's a belief where we ask him to save us and he saves us. And his Holy Spirit enters our life and we're living for him and we're in love with him and we're his. And, and we have been born again to this new way of living. So, um, it's through Jesus Christ for all who believe, through faith in him. For there is no distinction. Okay, so Jewish people don't get this privilege. Gentile people don't get this privilege. No matter what family you're born into, there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So... We saw this, no one is righteous. So who has sinned? All have sinned and are justified. So all have sinned, but all are what? Justified. Now this isn't saying that everyone who has ever lived or ever will live have been justified because there's a key ingredient that's missing that we'll see at the end of this sentence, at the end of this, not this verse, but at the end of the sentence. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So again, Where does this redemption come from? Where does this forgiveness come from? Where does this righteousness come from? Through Jesus. So, according to the Bible, can a Muslim be saved? Yes, absolutely. Through whom? Jesus. According to the gospel, according to the Bible, can an atheist be saved? Can an addict be saved? Can a liar be saved? A cheat? Yes. We all can be saved. Through whom? Jesus, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood. Here's that word again that we studied a few weeks ago. Propitiation. It means that 
the, the wrath of God, God is just, he has to do what's right, he has to punish sin. Well, through Jesus, because Jesus was pure when he died on the cross, he died as a replacement for us. He paid for our sins. He appeased what was going on with the anger and the wrath of God that was meant for us in our sin through Jesus, put forward, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by what? Faith. So, that's how all can be redeemed. That's how all of us who, none of us are righteous, all of us are sinners, we're all born into sin, there's nothing we can do to escape it, so how are we made righteous? Through faith. And so, let's think back to 1 John chapter 2, and it said that only those who practice righteousness, right, are born again. And so how do we practice righteousness? Well, we're going to keep reading, but it's through faith. We're not striving to fulfill some kind of list of rules. We're striving to place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ and letting that faith transform us into his image. Letting that relationship with him transform us. Letting the Holy Spirit transform us. Receive by faith. This was to show God's righteousness. Here's that word again. Because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. This is talking about the Old Testament where uh, Abraham was saved by faith, even though Jesus hadn't come yet. Uh, Verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. So who who is he the justifier of? The one who has faith in Jesus. Who can be saved? The one who has faith in Jesus. Who can be righteous? The one who has faith in Jesus. Apart from that, apart from following some religious structure, apart from being born into a a family of some sort of religion, whether it's a Christian family or a, a Muslim family or a Hindu family or whatever the case may be, we are not made righteous because of who we are born as. We're all born as what? Sinners. We are made righteous Through Jesus. Through Adam, we inherit sin. Through Jesus, we inherit righteousness. So we need to make sure that we have placed our faith in Jesus, that we have a relationship with him. Verse 27. Then what becomes of our boasting? Can we boast about what family we were born into? Can we boast about how good of a person we are? No, it is excluded. By what kind of law? By a law of works? No. But by a law, by the law of faith. We can't boast in being a good person. That won't save us. We can boast in Jesus Christ. We can boast that we have faith in Him. And we don't deserve it, but He saved us anyway. We are sinners. Our sins should be punished by God. And through Jesus, it was. And we can place our faith in him, and through that we are made righteous. Verse 28. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. So we we believe that you cannot be made right by works. It's by faith. Verse 29. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is God only the God of one people group? No, he's the God of all. We, we believe in monotheism, that there is one God. 
one God in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that through God we can be made right with him. Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of the Gentiles also. That's just any non-Jewish person. Verse 30. Since God is one, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? So how are we saved? Whether you're Jewish or whether you're a Gentile. Through Jesus, through faith. Verse 31. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So he's saying, okay, so we, we found out that we're not saved by the law. We're saved by grace, through faith. Okay, according to what Jesus has done, according to who he is, we're saved by faith in him. So should we say there's no need for the law? No, of course there's need for the law. In the area of moral law, we need to know what is right, what God desires, how he desires for us to act. And we are to live according to that law. We are to strive to be like that. But it's through faith. Not through legalism. Not because we have to be good so that we can get to heaven one day. But because Jesus saved us. And he gave his life for us. And we love him. And we want to serve him. And we want to be like him. And we want to do right for him. Because we're in love with him. Not because we're bound by the law. But because we're bound by our love for Jesus. We desire to do it. We desire to do right. We desire to live for him. That's how we're bound. Not by the law. Not by works. We're not saved by them. They won't keep us saved. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by Jesus and his work and what he did. Not by anything we can do. Nothing we can do can save us. So let's go back to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. And I'm going to reread verse 29. If you know that he is righteous. Don't we know that he is good? That he is right, that he does right, that he is perfect. He is righteous. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. So how do we practice righteousness? Through faith. We put our faith in him and we display our faith. And are we going to sin? Yes, we're going to sin. But when we sin, by faith we repent. By faith, we ask God to forgive us. By faith, we get back up and we keep living for him. We do it again. By faith, through a relationship with him. And so this is, this is vital to who we are as Christians. There are way too many people. I cannot tell you how many times over the years I've asked a person who, who was in church, who grew up in church, uh, are you saved? Yes. How do you know? Because I'm a good person. Does that save you? No. Are you, are you, are you, uh, are you saved? Yes. How do you know? Because I go to church. Does that save you? No. What saves us? Yes. We are saved by Jesus. By grace. We don't deserve it. But he gives it to us through faith. By us trusting him. By us placing our faith in him. By us accepting the payment that he made for us on, on our behalf on the cross. Chapter 3, verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? Do you see what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God? We're not righteous. We deserve hell. We deserve His wrath. We deserve this good and right God, this righteous God, to judge every single thing we have ever done wrong. That's what we deserve. Is that what we get through Jesus? No, we are made righteous by him. 
We are proclaimed as righteous. When God sees us, when we are judged, when he does return, and we are, are, are standing before God, and we are judged, if we have Jesus, what does God see? Jesus. He sees the righteousness of Christ, not my righteousness. What good are my good deeds? They're like filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. My righteousness is nothing. His righteousness is everything. We need him. See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. This is incredible. We use this language, for those of us who grew up in church, we use this language a lot. And so it loses its power. But do you know what we deserved and yet what we are getting? It's only through the grace of God. It's not even fair by my human understanding. But, but God loved us enough that his son came and died for us. To glorify the father by obeying him. But also to save us from our sins. And we are God's children now, for those who have put their faith in Jesus. We are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. So are we, is our complete righteousness realized yet? No, we're, we still sin, we, we still mess up. But from God's perspective, it is. We are saved. We have been born again. And when we get to heaven... And we are given new bodies and we no longer have to deal with sin and sickness and fallenness. Then we will, it will be realized at that point. It will be complete. So what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. What was he like? He was righteous. And we will be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. Verse 3. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. So how are we purified? By faith, by hoping in him, not by anything we can do. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So here's what we have to realize, context. This isn't saying that anyone who sins after he becomes a Christian really isn't a Christian, he's lawless. This is saying that someone who makes a practice of sinning, who continue, who says they're a Christian, but they keep on sinning, are they really a Christian? No, if you just call yourself a Christian, that doesn't mean you're a Christian. You have to have faith. You have to have been made righteous. You have to have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, then when you sin, what will follow shortly afterwards? Conviction. We would know that we did wrong. We will want to be right with God. We will ask him to forgive us. And so if we continue to sin, and we continue to sin, and there is no conviction, and I'm not just talking about a conscience. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit convicts us. You know this is not what God desires. Don't you love him? Don't you want to live for him? When conviction comes, then it can be evidence that we are still a Christian, especially if repentance follows. And we start living for him again. But if we just sin and then we keep on sinning and we keep on sinning and we keep on sinning and conviction comes. But nothing results from it. We just keep on sinning. Then was that true conviction from the Holy Spirit? So everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin 
is lawlessness. Verse 5. You know that he appeared to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. Why do we as Christians continue to live in sin? He came to take it away. And here we are. When I read this this week, it just like pierced right through my heart. Because here I am in love with God, wanting to live for him. And yet, what do I find myself doing day after day after day? Sinning. But he came to take away sins. I need to live each day by faith. And strive to be perfect for him, not because it's going to save me. It's not going to save me. Not because I can uh, pay him back for what he's done for me. I can never pay him back for what he's done for me. I should live each day striving not to sin because he deserves it. Because I love him and I want to honor him. And so, he appeared to take away sin. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides, there's that word again, who is in him, who's living in him, who's remaining in him, who's persevering to the end. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. This should shake us to our core. This should cause us to to do some deep self-reflection, to ask us, to ask ourselves, God, is there any sin that I'm continuing to do that I keep doing time after time again and there is no conviction, there is no repentance, there is no turning from it, I'm just continuing in it. And if there is, then there's two things that can be true. Either you are saved and you need to repent immediately. We need to fall on our faces before God and tell Him that we're sorry so that we can be back in right fellowship with Him. Or you're not saved. You're not a Christian. It's one of the two. So are there sins in your lives? I have been dealing with this all week. I will continue to deal with this for myself because there are sins in my life. And I need to repent. I need to strive to live for him. I need to try to be like he is. He, he came to take away sins. So are there sins in our life? Are we keeping on sinning? No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. So let's talk about a few things here. First, if there is someone in this room who continues to sin, who continues to choose to choose sin over Jesus, who and his obedience to him. If if we continue to do things our ways rather than his way, then that's us living in sin. That's us keeping on sinning. As Anyone who keeps on sinning, as it says, that's us. And so we need to repent so that we can, if we're already saved, we need to repent. If we're not saved, then we need to get saved. And we need to start living for him. And little children, let no one deceive you. If, you're, if you keep on sinning, then you are a sinner. But whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. But this is biblical righteousness, not self-righteousness. This is not righteousness according to the law. This is not righteousness according to works. This is not righteousness according to, by, by, uh, according to doing right. This is righteousness through faith. This is righteousness that can only come through him. And if we have been, if we have been saved and we have been made righteous, then we're going to strive to do right through him. Not by our own selves or not by our own works. 
Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Do you have faith in him? Have you placed your faith in him? Do you have a relationship with him? Have you been made right with him? If you do, then you have been made righteous. And if you have been made righteous, then what are you going to do? You're going to practice righteousness. You inherit it from him. You are going to be made like him. You're going to practice righteousness as he is righteous. Verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, and can't that be a lot of us sometimes, but whoever makes it a practice, who keeps on doing it, where there's not conviction and there's no repentance, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So many people who claim to be Christians, just as when we were in Romans, people were claiming to be Jewish and claiming that because they were born into a certain family, then they were automatically right with God. But that was never the case. Even in the Old Testament, that wasn't the case. Abraham was made righteous by his faith. And and that's the same way that we're made righteous. It doesn't matter if you were born into a, a Christian family. It doesn't matter if you've gone to church. What matters is, who have you inherited your things from? And if we've inherited righteousness from Jesus, if we are saved, if we have placed our faith with him, in him, if we have inherited righteousness, then we will practice righteousness. We will live in his grace. And by living in his grace, we will begin to live like him and like he desires. But if we have not been born again, and we practice sinless sinfulness which is lawlessness then we are of the devil whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil for the devil has been sinning from the beginning the reason the son of god appeared was to destroy the works of the devil so if we're practicing sinfulness then we're going against the very reason why jesus appeared verse 9 no one born of god makes a practice of sinning for god's seed abides in him And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Now again, we know that this doesn't mean that he will never sin. Because 1 John, the end of chapter 1, the beginning of chapter 2, addresses this very issue. But what we know is no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So what does that mean? It means what we've already said. That we will strive to live for him. We will strive to do right. And when we fail, we will repent. And we will live in righteousness, which is by faith. So whoever... Sorry, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed, the Holy Spirit, salvation abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he is born of God. By this it is evident who the children of God, who are the children of God. So who's saved and who's not? Who are the children of God? By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So, my question to you this morning is, are you practicing righteousness? Are you relying on the salvation of Jesus and you're in love with him? You have been saved by him. You're living for him. And when you fail, you repent and and you start living the right way again for him. Not because you're bound by some law, but because you're bound by love. You want to live for him. You want to do these things for him because you love him. Or... 
are we not practicing righteousness? Are we relying on our own works, which always fail us? We can't be made, we can't be made perfect by the, by the law because we're always going to fall. We're always going to fail to uphold the law. And he gives a good evidence of this, which is if we don't love our brother, which obviously we've talked about and we will talk about more. But are we living for him? Are we in love with him? Now, we've come to our time of invitation. And during this invitation, you have to respond to him in whatever way he's leading you. And for some of us, there, when we were talking about sinfulness, there are specific sins that you were thinking of. And the question is, are those sins evidence that you don't have a relationship with Jesus? Or are they evidence that you need to repent and turn back to Jesus? If, if you don't have a relationship with him, you can begin to live by faith this morning. You can place your, your trust in him. He has already done everything necessary so that all can be saved. We just have to respond in faith. And if he is calling you this morning, if he is putting something on your heart that you know you need him, you know you need to follow him, then respond in faith this morning. Ask him to save you. Come talk to me. I'll, I'll be there with you in this process. Or maybe you're in here and you are a Christian, but you need to spend some time repenting. That's a lot of us, probably. You respond to God in whatever way he's leading you. Maybe you need to sit down where you are. Maybe you need to come to the altar and get on your knees or get on your face. Maybe you just need to go home and put yourself in a closed room and spend some time with God. You respond in whatever way he's leading you. But I just want to make sure that all of us are righteous as he is righteous. And that righteousness only comes through Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. And God, I just pray that you would challenge us this morning. That you would convict us this morning. And, and God, I just pray that that conviction would make it clear to us if we have a relationship with you or if we don't. That conviction would make it clear to us if we have a relationship with you. Are we right with you in fellowship? Are there sins that we need to ask you to forgive us of or or we need to repent of? Lord, just make it clear to us whatever way we need to respond to you. And God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for making us children of God. Lord, we didn't deserve it and yet you gave it to us. Lord, you offer us this amazing gift for free, not by anything we have done, only by your grace and because you are so good, because you are righteous. So thank you. Thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.